Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from The Eradication of Vice, written by Salome Verdad. A humorous steampunk femdom tale. Idle dilettante Archie Duntisborn thinks his luck has turned when he hears of an inheritance from his eccentric great-aunt Agatha. But the inheritance comes with bizarre and unexpected conditions. The young man must submit to the discipline of a fanatical women's organization dedicated to the suppression of onanism and the reformation of the male gender. Archie finds himself under the control of the beautiful but despotic Miss Harper, who intends to train him to control his desires, urges, and habits. Special Bonus the audiobook edition of The Eradication of Vice includes its sequel, The Restoration of Sin. Archie Duntisborn continues to suffer at the hands of the British Women's Association for the Eradication of Vice and its cruel regime of enforced chastity. Archie discovers that the association has enemies, but are they his friends? And now for your listening pleasure. An excerpt from The Eradication of Vice. The Eradication of Vice. It is a bright April day in London. The sky is full of huge, majestic dirigibles on their way from the airport at Alexander Palace to every corner of the empire. The streets are full of gleaming steam cars and motor bicycles. Hawkers cheerfully cry their wares to the well-dressed men and women who parade up and down the arcades of this, the greatest city in the world. The faces of the grand buildings are streaked with soot, and the air is heavy with coal dust, the smell of progress and modernity. Along the Strand strides Archie Dunstabourne. He is a masher, dressed in the latest fashion, with a bright yellow waistcoat, a long-tailed jacket with a velvet collar, a cravat, and a silk top hat. His trousers are modishly loose around the thigh, but gathered at the knee. He carries a silver-topped cane. He is a tall, well-built young man, with a straight back and broad shoulders. He has bright red hair that is curled and cut long, very pale skin, and a moustache in the imperial style. Now he pauses in front of a shop window to study his reflection. He adjusts the angle of his hat a little, but he gives every indication that what he sees pleases him. Today Archie strives with a purpose. Today he has an important meeting, indeed. It is perhaps the most important meeting of his life, though Archie does not yet know this. At exactly 11 o'clock, Archie enters the city offices of Tiberton, Rudford and Bully. Although he has never visited the premises before, he can see at once that this is a well-established firm of solicitors, and the rooms are furnished in a manner that is at once opulent and tasteful. This is gratifying because it indicates that the firm's clients are people of substance. Archie is here because he has received a letter suggesting that Mr. Bully, senior partner in the firm, may have information to his advantage. The arrival of the letter at the present time has been a fortunate turn of events, because Archie's creditors, of whom there are many, have lately taken a less sympathetic tone in their correspondence with him. An anonymous clerk shows Archie into Mr. Bully's office. Mr. Bully is a tall, thin man, with long features and very pale skin. 
He is dressed like his office, in a style that is at once opulent and restrained. Although they have not previously met, Mr. Bully greets him with great warmth, invites him to sit, and offers him a cigar. After a few pleasantries, the solicitor clears his throat to indicate that they are now moving on to more weightier matters. Mr. Dunstborne, it is my sad duty to inform you of the demise of your great-aunt Agatha. I realize that this may be something of a shock to you, he pauses. Archie's face registers not shock, but bemusement. It takes him a moment to recall that he has ever had a great-aunt Agatha. With an effort, he remembers a small, thin woman with grey hair and a permanent expression of displeasure who had sometimes manifested at the periphery of the larger family gatherings. This tragic loss, nevertheless, has some happy consequence for you, Bully continues. Before she passed away, your great-aunt amended her will so as to leave her not inconsiderable fortune entirely to you, Mr. Dunsterborn. A warm glow descends on Archie. Poor dear great-aunt Agatha, he says. I trust her end was not painful. I'm afraid I'm not acquainted with the details, says Bully, to the evident relief of both men. My role is to ensure that the will and its somewhat complex provisions are executed properly, so that you will receive all of the bequest at the due time. Provisions? Due time? asks Archie, with some irritation. A moment ago he was financially embarrassed. Now he is a man of property, and he does not take lightly those who would place obstacles in the way of his rightful enjoyment of it. You mean, I can't have the cash straight away? Mr. Bully holds up his hand. Not exactly, he says. Your great-aunt has specified certain conditions that need to be met before you come into your inheritance. You must have reached the age of twenty-five years. You must... Twenty-five? expostulates Archie. Why, that's three and a half years away. How am I supposed to live until... Mr. Bully speaks with a voice that is soft and reassuring. Don't be too hasty, young man. This firm, which acts as executor of your late aunt's will, has a good understanding of your present circumstances. Here Mr. Bully narrows his eyes meaningfully and twists his head to one side as if he is just managing to suppress a knowing wink. We would be minded to grant you an allowance against the eventual inheritance, provided that the other provisions of the will are met. Other provisions? asks Archie, bemused again. What might those other provisions be? Mr. Bully sits back in his chair, adjusts his waistcoat and breathes a deep sigh. You did not know your great-aunt very well, Mr. Dunsterborne. I'm afraid not, says Archie. What with being up at Cambridge and then pursuing certain sporting interests that... Quite so, says Mr. Bully Drilly. It is to those interests that we must now turn. Your great-aunt was a woman of strong views and of a rather particular moral sensibility. You know that she was a leading light in the British Women's Association for the Eradication of Vice, I take it. I didn't, says Archie. A bunch of sour old harridans that want to close down saloons and gaming houses, I dare say. But what has that got to do with me? Your great-aunt's will contains a number of codicils, specifying certain habits 
which she considered to be harmful or odious, from which you are required to abstain if you are to receive your inheritance. Moreover, the will also sets out the ways in which the said abstention is to be verified. And if this is not found to be valid, then the bequest will pass to the aforementioned association, says Mr. Bully. So I'm to take the pledge, renounce the evils of drink, the pleasures of the flesh, attend regular church services, attest that I haven't entered a gaming den or a house of ill repute. That we hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from The Eradication of Vice. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.